go. Green light. Well, it's good to be here this morning with you. And this is really a bird's eye view up here. Uh, but I, I, I was thinking about this worship service we're having, not over, is it, that we're having. And I'm thinking, like the guy who said, if you can't preach now, your wood's wet. Uh, goodness gracious. God is good, isn't he? Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, I suppose this is, oh, it's one, over oh, it's the verse of scripture uh, that is dearest to my heart. And if you're saved today, it's dear to you, whether it's the dearest scripture or not, it, it is dear to you if you're a saved person today. John chapter 3, verse 16, down through verse 20. These are the words of Jesus. Please keep them in mind as we go through this message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What a great verse as beginning for this message this morning. Ed Battagliano is on the staff of American Family Radio in Tupelo, Mississippi. I want to read to you a statement that he made. Then this is what we want to unpack this morning. Homosexuality wasn't the only reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And that should concern Christians in America. Why should that concern us? Well, let's answer the question, why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Probably difficult for us to get our mind around what's happened in, say, the last 20 years. How that the homosexual movement has grown and empowered and has its roots in high places in our country. It's terrible, isn't it? That such a thing has a hold in our country. 1969, it became a political movement. And it's sad that they've been able to accomplish much of what they've set out to accomplish. And I know in my own heart, this is why it is possible because our nation has suffered so much moral decay. In a sense, it has opened the door for such a behavior to exist. I jotted this down. This was just my thought. A thing is not accepted more without being resisted less. A thing is not accepted more without being resisted less. And I want to put our spiritual battle that's already been spoken of this morning, we're in one, into these words. The spiritual battle is the acceptance and practice of immoralities versus the resistance and the separation from immoral things and practices. Back to the statement, 
homosexuality wasn't the only reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Scripture says, whether it's an individual, whether it's, it's a culture that accepts, embraces homosexuality, it is the result of idolatrous rebellion against God. It's rebellion against the word of God. It's rebellion against the nature of God. It is a rejection of God. Jesus speaks to and of his church as being his bride. He is the bridegroom. You see, God has set the pattern. God has set the rules, if you please, on our relationships on this earth. A, quote, marriage cannot be called holy matrimony unless it follows God's pattern of one man and one woman. If it's not, if it doesn't follow that pattern, then it is sin against God. In a world where we are clearly male and female, how could someone do this? How could someone practice such an abominable lifestyle? The world and those who embrace homosexuality want to tell us it's just an alternate lifestyle. But it is sin against God. It's rebellion in the face of the clear intentions of holy God who made us. And I want to turn and read a passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 1, in verse 24 through verse 28. And this passage, Paul uh, speaks very plainly to what uh, depravity is and, and the capacity that we human beings have for depravity. And just be careful that we don't look at someone else who we, we see, and it may be clear that, yes, they're living a life of depravity, but be careful that we don't point a finger as if, you know, we're like the, the Pharisee. I'm glad I'm not like them. Because, you know, every one of us have the capacity to be and to do what that person's doing. It's just by the grace of God we're not where they are. Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, Paul says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another, men working with men, that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their reward, which is meat. In other words, there is a judgment for sin. And it is not just the sin of homosexuality. God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah just because of the homosexual there. And we'll unpack that some more. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and we'll make several references this morning to Sodom for good reason. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter warns that the destruction of the cities of Genesis 18 and 19 should serve as a warning to the rest of the world, uh, to every wicked generation. Beware of the path that you have chosen. Beware of the things that you have embraced for your life. Because you're on a road of destruction. 
you're on a road, you're going to face, you're going to experience the wrath of God. Peter says that Lot continually witnessed, quote, sensual conduct of unprincipled men. Jude 7 says that those in Sodom indulged in gross immorality and went after, quote, strange flesh. Listen to all the references to Sodom. These are warnings that God has given us through his word. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 19. Paul talks about depravity. Genesis 19 is like the illustration. Okay, here is depravity in real life, in past time, but in real life. Not an isolated incident. It wasn't just Sodom that homosexuality existed at that time. It, is, it, is, it has come and been accepted and embraced in society since then, like ourselves. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 4. Two angels have come to Sodom. They are coming to be, to be God's witnesses against the wickedness that has gone on in that city, the things that they have embraced. And it must be evening, about bedtime, because verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, have passed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. This whole culture was permeated with wickedness. Verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Were the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Sexual immorality. And Lot went out the door unto them and shut the door after him. And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not do so wickedly. It sounds like Lot has embraced homosexuality, whether he's a participant or not. He has adopted like some people want us to do today. It's just an alternate lifestyle. It's just what everybody's doing. Verse 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And you do to them as is good in, in your eyes. Only in, unto these men do nothing. What an abominable situation we have here in Sodom. And it is referred to over and over and over in Scripture. Beware. And it is, not, it is not just a shot over the bow. It is up in your face. This is a warning from God. Change your ways. Repent. Turn to God for forgiveness. Or suffer the wrath of God. But listen. Homosexuality does not exist in a vacuum. In other words, it wasn't here yesterday, but it's here today. No. It, is, it, is, it comes when people are first willing to embrace other forms of evil first. And then it, the, the moral condition uh, uh, spirals so deeply that people are willing to embrace other things. And at some point, it's homosexuality. That's where Sodom had gone to. They were in deep depravity. In Romans chapter 1, Paul mentions somewhere around 20, 21, 22 sins there in that passage. And that's what he's trying to tell us in that same place. Yes, homosexuality is deprivation, but you don't come to embrace homosexuality unless you have first embraced these other things. And why would you embrace the other things? It is a rebellion against God to do that. 
And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul tells us those who will experience the wrath of God. It's not for you and me to decide who's going to experience the wrath of God. God already has this marked out in His Word. For in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I'm going to read the next verse. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. When someone says there's no true atheist, they are correct. This passage says God has revealed himself to all the human race. We know that he exists. And that's a knowledge that we have. We know that he exists. But what do we do with that knowledge of God? Paul says there are those who will choose to reject that. Uh, Down in verse uh, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. People have a choice once they know that God is. Am I going to embrace that? Am I going to welcome that? Am I going to ask questions or learn more about God, the God who created me, and accept Him that He is the Creator and He is Lord? Or am I going to choose to reject God? Do I, do I not want to even think about those things can I, so I can do the things that I want to do and, and embrace all these forms of evil that He's mentioning here in verse 29 and 30 of Romans 1? Brother Samuel read this verse a few, few weeks ago, these things that are in this verse. Probably not a conclusive list. But it's a rejection of God and an acting out of the rejection of God by embracing other forms of evil. These will face the judgment of God. God said that. That's not my judgment. That is God's judgment. Now with this in mind, I want to to read a passage in Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel makes a reference to to Sodom. He's trying to warn Israel, listen, you're behaving this like your sister, and you need to change your ways. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50. He warns Israel that the embrace of homosexuality occurs because the culture has embraced other forms of evil first. He points to Sodom and says, listen, you need to repent. You need to stop uh, traveling this road of depravity that you're on and turn your heart back to God. Listen to what he says. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. Oh, it sounded like they had wealth and prosperity, but what did they do with it? They hoarded it. All they could think about was themselves. They didn't have any concern for those who needed their help, who needed their assistance. They had no compassion, no mercy for others. But she did not help the poor and the needy. And here's the downward spiral. Thus, they were arrogant and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. One translation says concerning Sodom in Genesis 19, that God just swept away. And I could have this picture of God's hand just sweeping away the whole city of Sodom. I mean, buildings and people and everything. It is total destruction because they've not heeded God's message, God's warning. The Jews would have understood the word abomination, common way referring to sexual sins like homosexuality. Leviticus 18.22 is very clear. Homosexuality.
Homosexuality is an abomination, among other things. It's not the only abomination in the Scripture. There are other things. And so the prophet helps to explain to uh, Israel. He makes this connection of their, of their wealth and their prosperity, their luxury, and, and, their, and their arrogance, how it led to the sin of idolatry. They begin to embrace, embrace other things. In Leviticus 18.21, just before that, he mentions how they have offered their children to the fire god of Molech. Molech was just a false idol god that Israel at one point in their history bowed the knee to and worshipped and served. Now, we know it really doesn't exist. It was just in their minds. But they, the whole thing is it shows us that they were rejecting God. And they were embracing other forms of evil. They were having their children sacrificed on, on idols that, were, that were, uh, had great fires. Now, I, I thought, you know, I don't want to stir anybody's emotion this morning about something you've been through. But I, I, I would like to, to say that Israel took their children and intentionally put them in the fire and had them burned up. It would be horrific to have a child or, or a family member to be in a fire and they die because of that fire. But what about intentionally taking your children and burning them up? That's what they were doing. I believe that is an abomination before God. Israel was involved in that. They were, they were cold, and, and it's beyond me how someone could do that. But they had embraced other forms of evil first. Their hearts had grown cold. And they were rebelling against God. I think this morning Israel uh, killing their own children is, is a strong parallel to America's stubborn embrace of abortion. Listen, when that child is conceived and at some point someone decides to end that life, they're killing that child. It is selfish. It is cold. In, in Sodom's morally sick condition they reached the place in depravity they've been willing to embrace other things and at some point they're willing to embrace homosexuality ezekiel says that israel was fast approaching the same condition as sodom it is a warning a very serious warning to israel and you know what happened israel didn't heed the warning it was clear to them they, they knew what they were doing, what they were embracing was wrong, and some of it would, would have been considered abominations before God, but it did not turn their heart back to God. But isn't this precisely what has taken place in America? The homosexual movement has had great success because Americans have become self-indulgent and idolatrous. Straight America has embraced homosexuality because straight America first embraced the sexual revolution of the 1960s to their own satisfaction. Now, most times when we say a society is depraved, we assume that there's probably homosexuality going on. We use it as a barometer to look at a society and decide if they're depraved or not. And that's okay. That is correct. But there are other forms and other abominations. There there were other markers in that nation's history. And you could trace that path. We knew all those things in sequence. You could trace the path that they went to deep depravity. 
and you can trace it in America, there have been moral markers in our nation that we should have seen, I'm sure we did see, we may, dis, may have disregarded because we wanted to do what we were doing. We were living for ourselves. And we disregarded these, these uh, warnings that God gave to us. Just like Ezekiel says to Israel, God says to us, you are, you are like your sister Sodom. You need to turn back to God. And hasn't God's word been telling us that for years? Is it really a surprise that our nation has come to the place where homosexuality is embraced? No. Because look at all the other forms of evil that we've already embraced. We're there. It's reality, isn't it? Judgment came to Sodom because violent homosexuality, what, what we would call, we look back at that passage, what we'd call predators, mean, men being predators of other men, was going on. And it was the straw that broke the camel's back. But it was the manifestation of an underlying wickedness that permeated the whole culture, a wickedness that wasn't limited to homosexuality. See, if the problem was just homosexuality in our minds, we would rationalize and say, well, let's just push it back in the closet, and, and that'll head off God's judgment. It won't. Because we've already embraced other forms of evil that we've not repented of as a nation. And until we do that, judgment is pending. Ezekiel 16 teaches us that by the time a culture accepts idolatry and abortion, and homosexuality, it is right for the judgment of God. And I'm wondering why God's waiting. What about you? When I think about Sodom, I want to say this in a way that relates to what happened to Sodom. For you and I, it may be hard for us, we say, and it's not easy to stand against all the wickedness uh, in our country. We need to but it's not easy. But you know it's easier to do that than to run from the fire and brimstone that's sure to follow? We need to stand, don't we? We need to take a stand against the wickedness and certainly separate ourselves from it. If I could borrow Jesus' words, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I see this this morning as a, as a Holy Spirit alert, a serious warning from God. Does God have our attention? If God has our attention, then we understand what's been said today, and I think we even know what our response should be to what God has said. Because you see, when God speaks, there's always a response on our part. There needs to be. Or why is he speaking to us? There should be a response. And what should be our response this morning to what we've heard? We need to listen and ask God, God, what should I do? And it may, it may be, in a sense, really common sense to us because we understand what, what has happened in our nation. I want to ask you this morning to bow with me just for a moment. With every head bowed for a moment. And, and, and Jesus tells us in the Gospels, especially in, in Matthew, 
As a church, we're to be salt and light in this world. We know that salt prevents decay and light dispels darkness. It's these things that will change the world that we live in. And how much God wants to do that. And we'll commit ourselves this morning to being salt and light. Our world will change. And yes, I'm talking about the church. Those of us who know that we're saved today. And we have a promise, don't we? Written thousands of years ago to the very thing. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my, my name, will own themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. And that Hebrew word here there means not, not only does God know what we're saying, but he's going to respond to what we're saying. God's going to act in our behalf. And our land is not healed. Our land needs healing. If the land isn't being healed, what is the reason? I believe it falls back on us, the church. Because he said he would heal the land. If his people would, would repent of their own sin and wickedness, humbling our hearts before him, declaring that he Lord, and, and we're just servants ready to serve him. And when we reach that, God begins to make changes in our world. God begins to heal our land. And I pray he heals our land. And I must myself open my heart to God. Confess any sin in my life. And let God use my life to be salt and light. We all must do that. And we will see a land that is healed. We're going to see a lot of things, a lot of idols that are torn down. We're going to see strongholds that are broken by the power of God. If we'll only turn our hearts to God, that's the answer. It's not, it's not the homosexual out there. It's not the person that's doing other forms of wickedness. It's not, quote, their fault per se. They're responsible for what they do. But God tells us the land can be healed. And we must believe that and we must act upon what he has said and our land will be healed. We need to believe that. And if we believe that, then we'll respond this morning to what God has said. What is your response to what God has said? Father, right now, as your word has spoken to us so clearly, what is our response? And as we have this time of, of imitation, it is a time for us to respond. It's not a time to do nothing. It's not a time for things to remain as they are. It's time for a change. It's time that things change. And this will head off the judgment of God. There's a lot on our shoulders, church. But God will help us. 
Father, have your will and way in my life and in the life of us all right now. May we respond just as your spirit speaks to us. In Christ's name I ask. Amen.